There were lots of teams who were winners or losers at the NBA draft withdrawal deadline for college players. But Andy, what were the most impactful individual decisions affecting teams? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there coming at you five days a week. Yes, even in the off season, Andy and I, or Andy or I, and all our wonderful guests will be joining you Monday through Friday. And seriously, we love it. It's such a joy. Hopefully you all do too. We want to keep bringing the college hoops to you all summer long. And in fact, this episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel the official sports book of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Andy, I'm super excited about this topic, which, by the way, folks, Andy himself (laughs) came up with out of his very own brain. Here's what we're doing. Instead of the, like, who are the best players leaving or going, Mm -hmm. what we tried to do is come up with what were the six most impactful individual decisions, either for good or for bad? And that's how we're looking at this. Mm-hmm. Now, the two most obvious of those decisions are Oscar Shiway and Zach Eady, the two most recent national players of the year. Right. We talked about them last week on Thursday's show. And mm-hmm. so we're going to skip by them. So don't be get all mad and blow. Like, why didn't Andy and Isaac talk about Oscar? Or is that, well, we've already done so. Mm-hmm. That's just too easy. We wanted to dive a little deeper for you today to look beyond them. By mm-hmm. the way, this is also not a who, what teams were the winners or losers. For example, mm-hmm. Michigan State was clearly a winner at the deadline, yep. but we didn't have either A.J. Hogard or Jaden Akins as one of the most impactful individual decisions, so you won't find Michigan State or either of them on today's show. Makes mm-hmm. sense? Makes sense. <laughs> With that said, we're going to do two in each segment. So our first segment is two different Big East players. Andy, why don't you start us off with the first one? Yeah, we got to talk about Andre Jackson. Oh, I yes. think, A, we're talking about the defending national champs. Always impactful when you're talking about a team that tried to win it or that won it all. They're trying to win it all again. A team that already lost Jordan Hawkins to the NBA draft. Adama Sanogo stays in the NBA draft. Andre Jackson does not return to UConn for next season. The ultimate glue guy, one of the best glue guys in all of college basketball last year. And look, the thing the about gluiest, Andy, the gluiest glue guy. <laughs> um, the thing about Jackson is, and, and I know that most of you everyday listeners have certainly watched a ton of college basketball. You certainly watch UConn in the NCAA tournament. Anybody who watched pretty much any of UConn's games in the tournament knows how valuable Andre Jackson was. But for people who might just be looking at the stat sheet, perusing basketballreference.com. They might see that Andre Jackson averaged under seven points per game last year. And they might think, is that really the most impactful outside of, of course, Shibwe and Edie player who's, whose decision impacted the team the most? And I would still argue, yeah, because Andre Jackson did everything. He may have only averaged about seven points per game last year, but he averaged over six rebounds. He averaged four and a half assists. He averaged one and or 1.1 steals. Uh, he's not a great shooter, and it's interesting that we're talking, we're leading talking about a player where scoring is not the worst thing that yeah, they do, but yeah. it's far from his best attribute. Uh, he's a better rebounder. He's a better passer. Uh, he's a, a phenomenal passer. And his ability to find open players in transition was something that just 
decimated the teams they played in the NCAA tournament. It was it it really hampered Gonzaga. It really hampered every team that they played. Quite honestly, his ability to to find open players, to just do the little things. And I, Danny Hurley loves this guy. Talked about him a bunch about how he was a team leader and a captain and and an integral part of what this team did. And and again, a, a player who declared for the NBA draft. And there was it was kind of fifty fifty. And I think one of the parts of this this exercise that we're doing here on the show is is looking at players where it was a bit more of a 50-50 decision like certainly uh, somebody like Julian Strother is massively impactful he's not coming back to Gonzaga but it was never expected that he was going to come back to Gonzaga so that that's kind of they had kind of already moved on in that process whereas with Jackson it was unclear kind of right up to the last minute but he started showing up a lot on some late first mock drafts and really did some impressive stuff at the combine and Personally, I'm not surprised at all to see him go in the NBA, and I, I'm very interested in where he will go in the NBA, like what, how early teams will be willing to draft a player who doesn't necessarily look at this time like he's going to be a plus three-point shooter, which for for anybody under 6'10 at this point, you pretty much have to be a three-point shooter in the NBA, and, and I think he could get there. We were talking offline just before we started here that that three point shooting is one of the easiest skills to improve when you get into the NBA and all you're focused on is playing basketball. And for Jackson, I wouldn't be shocked to see him make some improvement in that area. But he's a player that just really strikes me as somebody who who could blossom into a really good NBA player. And for UConn, it's it's a pretty tough loss for a team that already lost a lot of their guard depth. Joey Calcaterra is out the door for graduation. Naheem Aline transfers to St. John's. That's a tough loss for them and and losing Jackson. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to find talent. They've already found some talent uh, to kind of replenish, but this is a, a tough player to lose because he does a little bit of everything for this UConn program. I think you're right, Andy. Like despite him being the sixth leading scorer on the team, I think he maybe along with Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins is mm-hmm. a top three, most important player yeah. on that team. And so, you know, now they lose all three of those guys mm-hmm. and, and that is, Really painful. I love what you're saying there about um, how much Danny Hurley loves him. I've, mm-hmm. I've read the same comments about his teammates talking about like mm-hmm. he's the best teammate I've ever played with. And mm-hmm. yet he's this guy that you you look up his bio or his mm-hmm. Wikipedia accolades in ter- by his name in terms of individual awards. The only thing it says is national champion. Yeah. But I think if you were to talk to Andre Jackson, that's the only one that he would care about is like, hey, yep. Did I play on a team that beat the other 362 teams mm-hmm. in Division One last year? Mm-hmm. Cool, right? Like, and, and so that's that that's what it's all about, and that's mm-hmm. why you know, little peek behind the curtain. Maybe this is spilling the tea, but in Locked On's NBA mock draft, he went with the last pick of the first round. He was yep. 30th overall, and and I, I frankly can't blame a team for going mm-hmm. and doing just that. Andy, let's stay in the Big East here, and it's interesting because. Uh, while we're talking about individual decisions, when we get to Creighton, mm-hmm. there were two decisions right there at the end that mm-hmm. honestly, I didn't think either of them were going to happen. And that's Ryan Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander. Mm-hmm. And I know we got to be a, a little bit quick on, on these guys mm-hmm. moving along, but um, I, I legit, legit thought that they would both stay in the draft and had kind of written it off. In fact, mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to do here, since we're just talking about individual decisions is each pick between Ryan Kalkbrenner and mm-hmm. Trey Alexander, which of those two do we each think was the most impactful again for Creighton for next year because of their decision to come back? Well, I'll let you go first. 
Well, I'm going to take Hawk then. I'm going to take the big fella, uh, Ryan right. Cockbrenner. <laughs> sixteen points, six boards, uh, about two blocks per game last year. Two team, two time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Just an anchor. I mean, an absolute anchor for them in an era where. Uh, back to the basket, low post scoring bigs are are dominating college basketball and not necessarily dominating in the NBA or not being utilized in that role in the NBA. I, I'm not as shocked to see Kalkbrenner come back because of that, but he has some, he has a little bit more stretch ability, some more outside shooting ability than than many of the other bigs that kind of get lumped into that group. Uh, but for for them to bring a player back who is going to legitimately contend to be the defensive player of the year in all of college basketball next year, it's hard for me to not rank him number one. They lost their point guard in Ryan Nemhard. Uh, they lost Arthur Kaluma to the portal. Um, they got some guard depth coming in that I think is going to be really impactful, but they needed Kalkbrenner to come back in order to be a, a team that competes for a top three spot in the Big East and potentially a top five or top eight seed, at least in March Madness. Man, Andy, this Big East just keeps being wild, right? So ridiculously loaded. I'm going to take Trey Alexander, and I would have done that even if you hadn't said Ryan Kalkbrenner. I do have a little reservation with Kalkbrenner just because of the injury bug. Mm -hmm. Um, And when healthy, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I could negate anything you just said, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but I I just do have a little bit of pause and caution and hesitation. Any other synonyms? Like, because of because of that. But man, Trey Alexander, thirteen point six a game uh, on points, four point two rebounds. I love that. Two, Mm -hmm. uh, just north of two and a half assists. Mm -hmm. Shot over forty percent from three last year, and that that commodity is is such an important thing for any college team it's it's often said we we maybe don't talk about it as much because we're Mm -hmm. trying to not denigrate our game but nba folks talk about all the time Mm -hmm. what terrible floor spacing college basketball teams have and to have somebody like trey alexander who not only is a floor spacer but so incredibly athletic and can do everything he does for the blue jays i i just see a world in which like we could look up this time next year mm-hmm. and Trey Alexander is the 23, 24 big East player of the year. Yeah. Like that wouldn't shock me in any way. Now that said, this, the same is true for Cockburner. If he has a healthy year, I mm-hmm. can see him being the big East player of the year, but to, to know that, and obviously we haven't mentioned Baylor Shireman, but mm-hmm. to get all three of those guys back for Creighton, yeah. uh, they could easily be at the top of what is going to be a very, very deep big East yet again. Well, Isaac, we've got an Adam decision and an Adem decision separated by just one vowel. One of these players is coming back to college. One of them is not coming back to college. Both are affecting their teams in a major way. We'll talk all about that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. What? That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet do not, does not win. I love betting with FanDuel because they have great promotions literally every single day. The app is safe. It is secure. It is super easy to use, and you can get paid instantly. There is no better place to bet all of the NBA playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch every day. Shout out to the everyday listeners. We got more coverage later this week, continuing to talk about the NBA draft declaration decisions, teams that were 
negatively impacted, positively impacted. Talk about players that withdrew from the NBA draft who are still in the transfer portal. What does that mean for them? What does it mean for Grant Nelson, Arthur, Arthur Kaluma, other players who are in that build? We got all sorts of conversation coming your way about those topics in the coming weeks. But for now, Isaac, I want to continue our conversation looking at the six most impactful, again, outside of Shibway and Edie, most impactful decisions moves, things that happened at the NBA draft declaration. Uh, and I want to start talking about Adam Flagler Ooh. because Adam Flagler stayed in the NBA draft. And I don't think that was a shock necessarily, uh, but for Flagler, this represents the fourth guard to leave Baylor. Adam Flagler and Keontae George in the NBA draft process. There's no coming back for either of those two guys. LJ Cryer transferred to Houston, now a Big 12 rival of the Baylor Bears. <laughs> Dale Bonner transferred to Oklahoma State. That's their four leading guards per minutes last year. All out the door, the three-headed monster of Flagler, George, and Cryer. It was talked about a lot on this show and on Locked on Baylor with our friend Drake Toll and all across the college basketball landscape. And now all of those guys are gone. Fortunately for the Bears... They went out and immediately added Ray J. Dennis out of the transfer portal at the time, the top ranked player still available in the portal. It had been reported that basically if Flagler's gone, Dennis is going to Baylor that ended up coming to fruition. And while I, it's not a direct across comparison, Dennis was really darn good at Toledo last year, 19 and a half points per game, just under six assists, a little over four boards per game. He was the Mac player of the year. Really talented player. I'm not sure he Mac, can fully replicate Mac Daddy. Hmm? He was the Mac Daddy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure he can fully replicate uh, Flagler, George, and Cryer because that's really a lot to ask. It's 45 uh, but, points a game, Andy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that might be a little tough. It's not <laughs> Pete Maravich here. I'm not sure we can quite get to get to those levels, but uh, a, a really nice piece for Scott Drew's team to bring in uh, after losing Flagler, who I'm I'm not shocked to see declaring for the NBA draft after what was a really tremendous career. Uh, with the bears. Yeah. I mean the, you know, it was freshman Keontae George coming in last year that had all the buzz for Baylor, sure. but let's not forget Adam Flagler was the leading scorer mm -hmm. still for that mm -hmm. Baylor team. And mm -hmm. man, I, it, it, while if you're Baylor, you kind of maybe hope he comes back, but it is mm -hmm. a big loss. A guy that shot, I mean, for his career, Adam mm -hmm. Flagler shot just shy of 40% on like six, just over six yeah. threes again. I mean, yeah, ridiculous stuff. Great teammate, great mm -hmm. leader. That, yeah. that, in fact, might be the biggest loss aside from all his incredible production. Yeah. Um, not to mention his 4.6 assists per game last year. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. over a steal again. I, I mm -hmm. could go on about Adam Flagler all day. Yeah. How do you replace the leadership? That perhaps mm -hmm. is my biggest question. Yeah. Um, you know, is that somebody else outside of the vaunted guards that we always mm -hmm. hear about from mm -hmm. Baylor. Maybe it's Jonathan Chamo Chachua next year, yeah. one of those other older guys coming back. But with Dennis coming in, it's, it's really interesting to me because it's like, man, if I'm a guard I, and I'm wanting to transfer, I'm mm -hmm. heading to Waco, Texas. Yeah, I know yeah. it's not a sexy destination, <laughs> but my goodness, I want to go play for Scott Drew if I'm yeah. an elite guard. Mm -hmm. um, like Dennis, yes, I know 19.6 in the Mac mm -hmm. points per game is not 19.6 points a game in the big 12, sure. but even if he loses five points a game off of that and is down mm -hmm. to 14.6, that's right in the territory that Flagler, Cryer and Keontae George were all at last mm -hmm. year. And so why, why couldn't he do at yeah. least that, especially with all the shots that mm -hmm. are going to be available to him. So that's going to be a really interesting uh conversation to have i'm really curious for us 
to talk to Coach Alvin Brooks, who we have had on this show, mm -hmm. and hear about what the staff is excited about with him. Andy, mm -hmm. let's change that that third letter of the name from Adam to a Dem and mm -hmm. head out west to mm -hmm. UCLA, where great news for mm -hmm. Mick Cronin's team, who has lost. Mm -hmm. My goodness, I know I'm going to miss somebody here, but Amari Bailey, mm -hmm. Iger Campbell, yep. Jaime Hawkes, mm -hmm. somebody else. Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark. Thank you. I, I was like, I know there's a fourth. <laughs> you that predicted it. About. And, you know, I mean, that's defense, that's mm -hmm. offense, that's everything you're wanting for. And so, like, while it doesn't heal all the wounds, getting mm -hmm. a Dumbona back is massive. And Andy, yeah. I got to put my hand up and say, mm -hmm. by the way, I got to put my hand up and say, I finally cut my hair. I forgot to say that off the top. So <laughs> for those of you listening, you haven't noticed this. For those of you watching, you've obviously seen it. I'm mm -hmm. like eight pounds lighter and I'm ready for summer. Anyway, a Dumbona <laughs> is somebody that just frankly was not on my radar enough mm -hmm. at the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. But boy, did he grab my attention in a hurry. And it's the same kind of thing with Andre Jackson, where he was like the sixth leading scorer for Arizona, but 7.7 .7 points a game last year, mm -hmm. 5.3 boards, 1.7 blocks. Yeah. Now, Andy, that's in only 23 minutes yeah. per game. When, when we, one of my favorite things to do, you're talking about basketball references. They do mm -hmm. a great job of looking also at the per 40 minutes yeah. per hundred possessions. I mean, you got, if he's averaging all that at 23, that's probably more like 12 mm -hmm. points a game, mm -hmm. uh, maybe eight boards and three blocks. If he's playing <laughs> 35 or 36, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like if and with all those guys leaving, that's the number of minutes I expect him to get next year if he's in uh, that sort of shape. Now, mm -hmm. as you've you know, you had noted in mm -hmm. some of our conversations, he had that shoulder injury yeah. that that really put him kind of out of commission or behind the eight ball, whatever phrase you want to use toward yeah. the end of last season. But Andy, let me ask you this question. Let's fast forward ahead to March 2024. Mm -hmm. Is a Dembona a first-team Pac-12 player, knowing that the Pac-12 has 82 guys on that list? That's a really interesting question. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I'll put it that way. I, I think yes. I'll say yes. I'll, I'll, I won't hedge my bets. I'll say yes. <laughs> Dembona is going to be a first-team All-Pac-12 player next year. Let's just roll with it. Um, I, I'm saying this without having thought super hard about right. all of the other Absolutely. bigs that are in the conference. Let me ask but... it to you this way. Do you think he will have the type of year yeah. that could land him in that conversation? Absolutely. Maybe that's a better way to ask it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think like, you know, obviously Umar Balo is, is probably the best big in that conference, but Bona is fantastic. And I think if he stays healthy and that is certainly a question around him, I thought Bona was going to stay in the NBA draft and I thought that he shouldn't. So I am glad to see him make this decision. I, I think he, I think he probably would have gotten drafted. I saw a lot of draft people talking about him as a second round pick, even with relatively limited production at UCLA in part because of the players who were in front of him. And just because he was a true freshman and he had the injury and he just wasn't playing a big role, but next year, less scores around him, 28 to 30 minutes per game. You mentioned extrapolating that out to looking at 12 and eight and two and a half blocks per game. I was that's under, I just looked it up while you're talking. That's that's under underestimating what he could possibly do. I, I sure think. sold him, Andy. Mm -hmm. I, I think he could average 14, 15 a game for sure. I think he could be up in that seven, eight rebound per game, maybe even more. 
the the defense that he brings, the rim protection. He's just such a high level athlete. He's explosive. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the best players in the Pac-12. I'm I'm completely willing to say that a Pac-12 first team selection seems very plausible for Bona, and and all of that to lead to what matters. I I don't know if it's what he would say matters the most, but it matters a lot. Is him being a first round pick next year like that? I thought that's the direction you were going. Um, and if we're fast forwarding <laughs> to June of 2024, I'm putting a Dembona in the top 20. I honestly think he wow. could be a top 20 selection, and that again, this is without having thought about that draft class at all. But I, I do think that Bona is that caliber of player explosive bouncy shot blocking high level athletes uh, like that tend to get a lot of attention and if he can display any more confidence as a scorer which is something that he needs to prove but we just had a long conversation about Andre Jackson not being a great scorer and he's in that first round conversation right now Jordan Walsh another player who's in the first second round conversation who's not a great scorer yet uh, Bona is a guy who I think could be in that conversation and because of his size could even be top 20 type guy. All right. We'll keep our eyes on what happens out there in LA next year. Can Mick Cronin keep it going even with that loss of talent? Now, Andy, the Crimson Tide has lost who projects to be a top three player in the upcoming NBA draft, but mm-hmm. Nate Oates does return a pair of key guards but they did lose also their starting center. What does it mean for Nate Oates' team? Has the tide turned? hey <laughs> We'll tell you in just a second. All right, Andy, we're carrying on today with what we believe are the six most individually impactful decisions that happened at the NBA draft withdrawal deadline for college players. As we've said, we're not having a discussion about Edie or Sheboy because, duh, right? Those are the most right. obvious. We want to get into the weeds a little bit. And this next conversation is going to be kind of similar to the one we had with Creighton as we get to Alabama, where we kind of had three deadline decisions. And so we're each going to pick one and then somebody's mm-hmm. going to get left out in the cold. So Charles Bediaco decides mm-hmm. to stay in the draft. Mark Sears comes back to Tuscaloosa, as does Javon Quinterly. Andy, I let you choose first last time. So I'm choosing first there you go. this time. Give me Javon Quinterly. And I think people might have looked at it and think like maybe he's like the third on Mm -hmm. this list. But here's why I believe he is the most impactful of those three decisions. Mm -hmm. He was Alabama's fourth leading scorer last year Mm -hmm. ahead of Betty behind Mark Sears. Let me contextualize it with our three guys here at Mm 8.7 points a game. He was Alabama's leading assist man at 3.6. He's the highest returning three-point shooter in terms of percentage, 35.7 on 3.7 attempts per game. And like I say that while also knowing that Mark Sears had more attempts per game and just a slightly lower percentage. So so I hear that and would hear Mm -hmm. your arguments. 82% from the free throw line. Uh, 1.9 rebounds and 0.7 steals. Now those last several numbers are all below marks here. So you mm-hmm. might say to yourself, Andy, why is Isaac taking Quinterly over Sears when clearly some of those numbers are lower? And here's why. Mm-hmm. Javon Quinterly is the engine that makes this team yeah. go. We might all remember that as we got into the postseason play last year at the beginning of um, the, the SEC tournament, Mm-hmm. That at that point, Jaden Bradley basically went to Nate Oates and was like, hey, listen, I think Javon Quinterly should be running the show here yeah. as as the older guy, the more experienced guy, the guy that can uh, really keep us going in postseason. Mm-hmm. And if you look back, Javon Quinterly only started six games yeah. for the Tide last year. 
but I, I expect him to be the guy to get the keys from the beginning of the season for Nate. Mm-hmm. Oates, who, you know, the they've lost quite a bit. They're still yeah. in play for several guys like Grant Nelson has taken a, a visit there later on this week after yeah. visiting Baylor, going back to Baylor mm-hmm. uh, and then Arkansas as well. Yeah. And so that that's going to be interesting for us to track on the show. But mm-hmm. I, I think Quinterly is the most impactful of these three decisions. Uh, these d- <laughs> words are hard, Andy. Words the most are hard. impactful of these three decisions, specifically mm-hmm. because he will be the one running the Crimson Tides floor game next year. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on Quinterly, to be perfectly honest. I, I Mark Sears is a great player, but I think getting Quinterly back is more impactful for the team for a lot of the reasons that you just said. But I'm picking Charles Bediaco. I'm taking Bediaco. And I was split on this a little bit because I do think that Noah Pringle is an exceptionally talented player. And for those of you everyday listeners who listened to an episode last week between myself and our regular guest, Leaf Tulin, we talked about Bediaco and he talked about Pringle being a guy who... Nick Pringle, right? Yeah. He he doesn't necessarily think that... Um, uh, that Betty Aco is getting pushed out the way that like, you know, Drew Timmy and Philip Petrusev happened at Gonzaga, the way that <laughs> some people speculate Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon at UConn. I don't know that it's necessarily that extreme, uh, at least not in my opinion, but Pringle's a, a extremely talented player. And I think for Betty Aco, uh, maybe that was a factor, but at the yeah. end of the day, Alabama loses a high level rim protector. blocks per game in the SEC is very difficult. He's an extremely efficient scorer. Just don't put him on the free throw line. (laughs) 68.5% on twos, which is extraordinarily, and I could not believe when I read this, 35.5% from the free throw line last year on only 1.7 attempts per game. Obviously, some some things there for Betty Aqua that could be improved uh, that I'm sure Alabama would have loved to get a chance to help him improve next season. But he's gone. He's going to test out the NBA draft waters, see what see what happens for him there. I I think he's a high level rim protector, a very explosive athlete. But the complete lack of an outside shot is something that worries me about Betty Aqua's NBA potential. But for Alabama next year, it leaves a pretty gaping hole at the center position. Again, they have some depth there that I think can fill in. If they can land a player like Grant Nelson, then the Betty Aqua loss certainly isn't as impactful. But this didn't feel like a loss that Nate Oates and Alabama was expecting. Yeah. And I think that that is what really kind of hamstrung them in that situation of, Hey, we kind of thought that our center position was completely set and now we have to figure out some pieces around it. And that's kind of why I have it as the most impactful one. Fair. I hear you. (laughs) Um, One thing I will say about the three point shooting is trace Jackson Davis took attempts in his entire four years at Indiana and is potentially a late first round pick in this year's draft. So there, there is a pathway to mm-hmm. high NBA success still, but I would say, as you're pointing out, that there is a the ceiling is limited because of that. You're right. Should we talk about Terrence Shannon? Let's talk about Terrence Shannon. <laughs> Let's talk about Terrence Shannon. Our final one on our list for today, uh, and and Isaac and I went back and forth a handful of times about multiple other players that could have been in this spot. And like we said, if you have players that you thought we would talk about here that you want to hear us talk about or that you are just mad that we didn't talk about, please leave us comments on YouTube because there are plenty of other players that have not gotten in this discussion yet, but that we will talk about. But Terrence Shannon felt like the last player for us to talk about here because he was the leading scorer for Illinois. And anytime you, especially when you're not necessarily expecting it, when you suddenly find out that the player who led your team in scoring is coming back, 
that's a pretty good gift. That's a pretty nice gift for Coach Underwood and the Illini. Uh, 17.2 points per game last year. The only other player who was in double figures for that team was Matthew Meyer. Uh, again, Coleman Hawkins is obviously back as well, and we could probably lump those two guys together because getting uh, their first and third leading scorers coming back uh, when both of them were were on the precipice of taking their NBA draft uh, uh, stock and just moving on in that direction. It's really nice for this program to get both those guys back. Shannon's a guy who uh, four and a half boards per game, a little under three assists per game, uh, still needs to improve the outside shooting is only about 32% on that uh, was a better three point shooter while he was at Texas tech. So perhaps uh, we'll, we'll see a return to more of that 35, 36% range for Shannon. But again, Anytime you can get a guy back on a Power 5 program in the Big Ten uh, and a good program in Illinois and you can get a guy back who averaged 17 a game, I think you're pretty darn happy with that. And that's where that's where the Illini are with getting Terrence Shannon back in the mix. And especially like when we think about the Big Ten, and I know this is unfair and it's probably because of football, we think about plotting big men and <laughs> yeah. produce 8 million seven-footers and all that. Mm-hmm. But when when you look at it, at Terrence Shannon and mm-hmm. what an electric basketball player yeah. he is, like it just it, it's just a a piece that not a lot of teams are going to have. Yeah. Not to mention he's a fifth year guy, and so yeah. all of that experience, the the defense he learned at Texas Tech, bringing all that to Illinois, and man, I I I would be very excited if I were Coach Underwood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting to me is like with with what Illinois will bring in in terms mm-hmm. of freshmen as well it just feels like a nice kind of mixture to yeah. me for Illinois um to to have the pieces to compete in the Big 10 now i will say i ha- i haven't like done a, a Big 10 power ranking yet but it mm-hmm. feels like i don't think it's enough for Illinois to get above either Purdue or Michigan state Mm-hmm. I think they're the clear top tier of the Big Ten right now. Yeah, but Illinois, I would say, is if not the the leader of tier two, definitely, definitely in tier two, yeah. right? Nipping at the heels of those other two teams, and if things break right, mm-hmm. um, they will do well. But I would expect them to get a top four seed in the mm-hmm. Big Ten tournament when we get to this point next year and so um big time big time big time to have Terrence shannon coming back as well as andy as you said getting mm-hmm. coleman hawkins back their third leading score from last year so uh congrats to coach underwood and the illini because they made this list and it's a very prestigious list andy, as we all know Folks, uh, like we said already, if you have some players that you want to hear us to talk about that maybe we didn't get to discuss on this show, some teams that had some decisions that went one way or another that we haven't gotten to, that's the plan for the month of June. If we're being honest, we're basically going to be talking about what teams got better, what teams maybe didn't get better when the NBA draft. Of course, the transfer portal will continue to look at that as we see more and more players kind of getting picked off out of there. There's not as much talent in the transfer portal as there has been in the past, but there's still some very good players. And like we mentioned, Grant Nelson's now kind of more available. Arthur Kaluma's more available. There's a lot of players in there that are going to change hands and and we're going to continue to monitor that. We're going to look at our uh, way too early, but not as early as before, top 10, top five, (laughs) uh, as we kind of get a better sense of what college basketball is going to look like next season. So thanks for sticking with us. Of course, we shout out again to those everyday listeners. You can find the show wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. So you can see Isaac's new do. Again, if you haven't checked that out yet, we also have a new uh, graphics package that makes the show look even cleaner and crisper. Uh, and so if you are not somebody who has subscribed to the show on YouTube, now is an excellent time to do so. Just go find the show on YouTube, search Locked On College Basketball, and hit that big subscribe button. We would 
very, very much appreciated. Until next time, though, peace out.